Hello and welcome to the podcast, Building Confidence. My name is Sue Reed, and I am your host. Every week I will be discussing the subject of confidence with a new guest. So with no further ado, let's jump in. 33-year-old Priti Rana is a manager in cyber security, as well as being a certified life coach working with young professionals. Now, the majority of the coaching challenges her coaches are dealing with are related to the feeling of not being good enough. This leads to feelings of low self-confidence, high self-doubt, and not being sure where they're going in life. Pretty focuses on helping her coaches to understand what the inner work is that they need to do in order to grow and become a more confident, aware and happy version of themselves. So welcome to the show, Pretty. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, Sue. I am so honored to be here with you. Confident, aware and a happy version of themselves. That is what I think we all want to be. But this, this expression, I'm not good enough, this comes up time and time again. And I I don't know whether this is a modern label that we've suddenly put on ourselves to explain how we feel or whether it is something that's, you know, affecting so many people, young people, older people. I think women especially, but men as well are affected with this, I'm not good enough. So how often is it actually coming up for you as an issue? A lot, I would say, regardless, like the topic for which my coaches come to me, it always comes, it could be anything, you know, it could be about how they communicate or the journey that they see for themselves, you know, related to career ambitions, romantic relationships. Somehow that self-doubt is is so deep Mm. or they believe that people think that and that all of them mention I feel I'm not good enough, or I know I'm not good enough, or I know people think that I am not good enough. I'm not getting a promotion because I'm not good enough. Mm. And I think a part of that is also about taking feedback instead of understanding that, you know, when it's about ambitions, for example, you could take that as constructive feedback, but instead, somehow a lot of people take that personally. So attach that to who they are or that it, that feedback is something or is a judgment about them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So say, for example, you know, you put in a piece of work and, and your, your boss says you need to do that again, or there's a few mistakes in that. They might mean it motivationally. They might just be trying to, you know, help you in your performance, but you could then take that as, oh no, I've done it wrong again. I'm not good enough. I'm going to get the sack. And where does that come from? Why do we keep thinking that? And you know, what, uh, what does good enough actually mean? Good enough compared to what? I love that question because that's a question that I ask myself as well, because the reason that I focus on, you know, these questions is also very personal, right? Because I also catch myself thinking, maybe I'm just not good enough, right? And that's a very painful realization. It's also difficult to share that. So maybe it also has to do with how we were brought up. Maybe it's also a certain age group that thinks that way because we were supposed to change the world. Yeah. It's a certain group of people that thought that world peace or harmony, all those things. And I think a lot of things we were told turned out to be not so true. And 
once you kind of step into that world all by yourself, you kind of see the different layers of things and also understand, hey, wait a second, that's not what I thought. Is what I think then actually true? You know, can I rely on my own intuition, on what I learned from my parents? Also understanding that your parents are not perfect. You know, they're just beings. I guess this is a piece of idealism that just breaks away. And all of a sudden, this realistic view on the world takes place. And you were not prepared for that, maybe? Yeah. It's really strange, isn't it? Because, you know, we all seem to have it to some extent. So which implies that it's something that's inbuilt into us. I mean, maybe, you know, it's being there's more focus on it these days, maybe because of social media and and comparison and the expectations that are put on particularly young people, young professionals, like you say, to save the world, which, you know, that's quite a big task, really, to put on somebody's shoulders, especially that young. You know, it must be something that's inbuilt to us. So maybe it's something to do with our our natural defense system that's protecting us. And maybe, I don't know, there's something in us that's saying, well, you know, don't, don't, don't push yourself because if you fail, then you're going to get hurt. I remember my mum used to say to me, and, you know, this is something that's had an impression on me all my life as things your mum says do. But she used to say, oh, don't be too happy because it'll only end in tears. <laughs> like, what, why, why would you not want to be happy? <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that actually reminds me of, of when I was little. I, I remember we were visiting my cousin's place and I could not stop, stop laughing. We were kids. I don't know how old I was, maybe seven. I kept on laughing. I couldn't stop. So that a contagious laugh, everyone starts laughing, it cannot stop. And I remember my dad like pulling me away, saying, Hey, hey, stop that. I'm like, why? I can't stop giggling. It's so funny. And so they no, remember the 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 amount of laughter and happiness that you experience now is also you will receive the equal amount of sadness in your life. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> It's ridiculous. It is, but isn't it? He told me that. And I also remember when I went to high school, for example, and I recognized that with all of my friends were all like in their 30s. My parents were like, are you sure you want to go to grammar school? You don't have to, right? And I was like, five of my friends are going, hell yeah, I'm going. I'm qualified enough. They were like, but it's okay if it's too much. You can always go to another high school. You don't have to perform on that level because they, they were afraid that I would fail. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely comes from the way we were brought up. Our parents were just so protective, I also think, of protecting us from failure, of pain, of experience they might have had. And it comes from a good place. So the intention is not bad. But at the same time, do not allow your children and generations after to just experience life as it is. It comes with hardship and it's okay Mm -hmm. to fall. And it's okay to fail as long as there's a support system, you know, that will help you get up back on your feet, you know, that is non-judgmental. We're so afraid, even when relationship is not going well, we're not going to get out of the relationship too fast because I will fail as a wife, as a mother, as a partner, as as a daughter, you know, that stigma, feeling that you always have to perform somehow. A rule, 
for this society, whatever that is, it's crazy, right? It is crazy, but, but it seems it's so real. You know, we all yeah. seem to be buying into it. So, what do you do with your clients, and how do you help them to get out of this mindset? Yeah. See, what I've come to realize by talking to my clients is that it's not going to help to just let them think that, you know, whatever you're thinking, that people might think about you, it's not true, right? Somehow in their head, it's a true story. Mm -hmm. Somehow. You cannot take away what other people might think or whatever. But what you have control over is what you think about yourself. And what I always find mind-blowing is when I ask someone the question, how much do you love yourself? I'm very, it really hurts to see that so many people say, well, I don't think I love myself that Mm. much. Or I don't know, right? Whereas we pour so much love in the lives of others, why are we so unwilling or unable to give that amount of love to ourselves, right? So that's already a reality check. And often that leads to a very, yeah, big reality check. Because often my clients, that question makes a lot of people cry. And definitely my intention is not to make people cry, but that reality hits so hard. You know, I think that's that's where I start, you know. So who are you to yourself? How much do you love yourself? And when they don't know, like, what the world thinks of them, I try to remind them that they come to a coaching session for a reason. They want to do something with that, right? That's a reason why they invest so much of their own time in it. And ask them, not only how do you want to feel after the session, but let's say you continue with coaching and you actually get to work on your self-doubt, self-confidence and all of that. What is the story you want to tell yourself in five years from now? What is the title of this chapter that you're working on yourself? By showing them perspective, giving them clarity that change is possible and allowing them to feel that they are in control, I try to empower them. Mm. That's always my my ambition to empower them and that they feel like I do matter, you know, and I can do this. And yes, I came to this session, you know, and I'm doing the inner work. Mm. That's at least what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that question of, you know, do you love yourself, that self-love, I think so many people have not even thought about it. And that's why it's such a hard question, because as soon as you ask that, I think it just goes deep down. It like goes into their core and they think, oh, my God. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you love yourself? You, you know, at the end of the day, you're all you've got. You are you. We're not perfect. And, and I think that's the other thing. Everybody thinks they have to be perfect. And I'm totally guilty of that. I'm proper perfectionist imposter syndrome, (laughs) everything. But I work on that and I'm aware it's there. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're not perfect. And I think the more we realize that, the more we accept when you look in the mirror, you are not going to see perfection, but you are going to see you, perfectly imperfect, beautiful you. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. I don't think we spend long enough really looking in the mirror. I mean, we might look in the mirror a long time trying to get our eyelashes right and our eyebrows right and whatever, whatever. But we don't look deep into our eyes, into our soul and think, what am I? Who am I? That's the other question. We never ask ourselves, who am I? Yeah, I really. And I read something this morning that I wanted to share because I thought it was quite relevant. And it was from a, an article about the film The Woman King with Viola Davis. 
And Viola Davis says, somewhere along the line, someone told us who we were instead of asking us who we were. I think that most people want to leave this world as their ideal self. And your ideal self is not just a body and a physical manifestation of other people's desires. It is that voice within you that is a sacred space. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So powerful. And yeah. what words she chose to say this. That's right. Because I think that's it. We do grow up with people telling us who we are, what who we've got to be, who we've got to aspire to be, and not just our parents, society as well. Yeah. Whereas if we can look in the mirror and say, oh, that's me. That is me. I, I understand myself deeply. And to understand yourself deeply, you do need to go deep. You need yeah, that. Definitely. And this is where I think a life coach helps because you need somebody to help you peel back all of those layers so that you can get to the absolute truth of who you are. Yeah. I always tell my clients we're peeling an onion because they always come in. I have this coaching question and I know you can help me with my career. And that's what I want to focus on. And then they start talking and you hear them talk about honesty that they never had trust they never had and then you ask them what are your personal values and then trust comes back honesty comes back and then you try to connect the dots with them look you know you're talking about honesty because it matters to you mm. it's part of your personal values and then they're like when I ask them do you want to focus on the action plan no I want to talk about my values more <laughs> you know like wait a second you know because they also get insights as we ask questions as, as, mm. as coaches, you know, we ask them questions. Why does this matter? Why do you use this word? Why does it so deeply affect you? Or, hey, I see something happening. I saw your energy shift. Maybe that's a wrong observation. But if that's the case, please share with me what's going on, right? And then they sit with you. And sometimes it just feels like for them, for the first time, somebody actually listens and somebody actually sees them yeah and in my opinion it should not take only a life coach to see that you know if we could only have these deeper connections and space holding space for one another in our day-to-day -day lives with the people who we love could be your partner your children your parents your friends you know mm -hmm. if you just hold that space for one another I think it will become so much easier to be really truly yourself because it's so scary because we know we're not perfect. And everyone, I think, is so freaking scared of being themselves, you know, being yeah. goofy or being angry or just being super emotional, you know, just frustrated. Even when you're frustrated nowadays, you have to apologize. Yeah. Frustrated. But it's human. It's okay. You might, might not like the behavior you're showing and you might not want to, you know, scold anyone, but you can be, you can just accept that something affects you and you can change maybe how you react to that. But being apologetic about everything we feel or we do, oh, come on, it's suffocating. Yeah. Again, it's, it's that striving for perfection. You know, if I, if I get angry with my children or, mm -hmm. you know, if I have a bad day at work, then I failed. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good employee. You know, if I don't phone my friend back when I said I would, I failed her. 
But yeah. then you've got your friend sitting there at the other end. You know, well, she's not phoning me back. That means she doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> you've got yeah. all this going on that you've got yeah. to balance. But we never talk to each other. We never say, look, this is how I'm feeling. Listen to me. Because we're also, when we do get in a conversation, we're so eager to talk about what we want, what we think. Yeah. What would be a perfect exercise is for two friends to sit together and and one just to listen for five minutes. Just don't say anything, just listen. And then the other one to talk, but not to judge each other, not to say, oh, well, I don't think you should have done that. Just to listen to each other. But I don't think we do that. We call ourselves best friends, but we don't do that for each other. Yeah. Yeah, we don't listen with intention, right? No. We listen to respond or to react, and that happens all the time. And I actually read a beautiful quote this morning, and I not quote it the way I should, but it's it goes something like, when you're talking or when you're speaking, you're only repeating what you already know. That's why it's so important to sit back and listen, mm-hmm. because by listening, you learn. I don't think we do that. I spoke to another friend the other day, and... She did something that she was not very proud of, but she thought it was very important. It had to do with, well, some important things that, that she valued. Immediately, her husband and her sister judged her, like, you should not have done that. I knew she was not very proud of it, but she thought it was necessary. So I listened to her and I was like, why did you, why did you feel the need to do that? And she explained to me, I understood her intention. You know, and she was like, see, you're the only one who actually listens. Mm. You know, because the rest just judges me because they would not do it. But because they would not do it doesn't mean that what I did was wrong, you know? No. That may be their way, but my intention is not wrong. I had to do it because it's about my own values. Mm. So having that conversation with friends, definitely, I agree. It's 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 very important. I think friendship is such a beautiful relationship because that should be truly based on equality. Just like your relationship with your partner. I understand when it comes to parents and children, you know, even now I'm still my mom's child, you know, it's really hard for her sometimes <laughs> as an adult. I am, but still, you know, I understand that mm-hmm. might sometimes be difficult, but when it comes to your partner and your friends and your colleagues, that should always be based on equality. And somehow I feel it's not the case. We're always trying to be liked yeah, or be or not like, you know, stand out too much, you know, so we just become this gray something in between that we actually do not really like, you know. And yeah. if you continue with that, you end up asking a lot of big questions. What's my purpose in my life? Is this life? Is this career? Is this it? You know, because you're so out of sync with yourself, what you truly want. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we see that a lot in coaching. Yeah. And I'm, I'm- Thinking like when you work in the corporate world and you're kind of in your own space all day long. And I'm thinking I've never done manual work. I mean, only like Saturday work when I was younger, but because I'm thinking back to like ancient or not ancient times so much, but, you know, past times in history when women would maybe like do the weaving or the, you know, do the dyeing of wool or the, the skinning of the, the animals that have been killed and they'd be working together and talking as they work. And I imagine there's a lot of like listening and understanding going on in those circles. Whereas I don't know what it's like in a factory now, whether women do like talk to each other and, and share like 
they should do. But I know in the corporate world where I worked, it's more, you know, if, if you're talking, you're not getting on with your work. You know, you've got to be looking at your computer all day long and <laughs> there'd be no, in, hardly yeah. any interaction. So I don't know whether that has something to do with it. And, you know, even on our breaks, we're scrolling on our phones mm-hmm. to see what's going on in the external world rather than actually talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think indeed that the corporate world is very much still based on you know, do your work, even lunch break, like we in the Netherlands have 30 minutes. That is your own time. It's not really your own time. You're still spending your lunch with your (laughs) colleagues, which could be great fun, but it kind of gets a little bit annoying if your lunch break then is actually just an extended meeting. Mm -hmm. You're still talking about the numbers. You're still talking about the deadlines. That's not a break. No. So I think we forgot to honor space as in, Taking breaks, I think it starts with that. And also because we don't have headspace for like really seeing each other because we're so occupied with deadlines mm-hmm. and numbers and no, no, we don't we don't get the chance to really talk to each other. But when you do, and and I do see that now though, but when people actually talk, they're like, oh my god, that happened to me, you know? How come I didn't know that about you? Yeah. Well, how come we never reached out. Like we could have done this together. So when the conversation takes place, you see women, men, everyone. You do see them like, oh my god, you know, we could have done that differently. But in that moment, because you don't see that around you, there are no role models who do that actively. It's difficult. It's difficult to go to somebody and say, hey, I need help, or this is going on. I have no idea whether this is normal, but. Can you help me? Or do you know who could help me? It's scary to ask for help. And then we just accept that the consequence could be that we could fail big time. Mm. And when we fail big time, it's bad. You know, especially in corporate world, people will look at that and see that as, oh, you failed. And then you get back this feedback. If you knew you needed help, you should have asked for it. So also that is on you. Yeah. And that is, I think the corporate world hasn't changed for a long time, not for the, I don't know how long, as well, as long as I was in it anyway. The corporate world, I don't know how, how it can change. I think people's attitudes just need to, to change. Um, are we, are we seeing that more in companies now? I mean, I, I know looking at LinkedIn, there's, there's a lot of companies are now saying, well, you know, be more flexible. You don't have to wear a strict uniform. You know, you don't have to work nine to five. You can work from home. So is it getting better in corporations? Do you think? I think so. Yes. I think the whole hybrid way of working is definitely a way forward. Although there will still be people who love the office and want to be there. So go, go to the office and be happy, you know. Also within my company, I see that there's more space to work, you know, flexible hours, but still four to nine is max, you know, (laughs) or four to eight. No, it's 32 hours. That's like the most flexible you can go. Okay. Hybrid is embraced. So that's really good. And we're talking more about culture and being authentic and Mm -hmm. about empathetic leadership and emotional intelligence, because I think corporate also had a wake-up call. I think the combination of circumstances, where they were like, hey, wait, we have to change. 
And we also need to stay attractive and interesting for the next generations because they actually care about having role models. They actually care about, you know, emotional intelligence. They look for people who they look up to, not just because they made it in a certain position, but by looking at how they are, not what they have become, Mm. but how they have reach that position it's much more about that feeling inspired by people Mm. and money and fancy titles just won't do it anymore you know no no it's more to do with how you feel isn't it rather than you know what title you might be given exactly definitely and i do like to see that because i am a millennial but i work a lot with the next generations who are like in their early 20s mid 20s and you just see that they're willing to speak up and they're also they also are very open about hey you know this i don't like the vibe here this is so negative or excuse me i'm not gonna like completely jeopardize my mental health i'm out of here you know yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna follow my heart and yeah that might not come with a big paycheck but that's okay it makes me happy and i love to see that you know? yeah yeah and I'm, i feel very inspired by them yeah I mean, that, that is really good. So going back to the, I'm not good enough. Mm. How can we make things better for people? So if somebody's listening now and thinking, well, yeah, I hear you, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just not good enough. You know, I, I didn't go to university or, you know, I've, I've, I'm overweight or, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I could look for another job, but I probably wouldn't get it. I get nervous in interviews. So, you know, Mm. people come up with all of these reasons why they can't do something. How, how do we change that? How can people change the way they feel? And for sure, I'm not good enough is a very strong feeling. And it's not something you just take away. But I think the way you summed it up still is already very interesting because I'm not good enough. It grows as we continue to think that we can't do something. I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm. But let's change that dialogue that we're having with ourselves by by telling ourselves what we can do. You know, I did eat healthy today. I went out for a walk. I called my friend. I meditated. I worked out. I sat down and just had a really nice cup of tea or coffee and just took a moment for myself. You know, what did I do? How did I show up for myself? So it's not about what other people think, what you can or can't do, but what do you think you can do? And in addition to that, you know, count your blessings as well, because we only have one life. It's a beautiful journey. It's definitely not about destination. So what are you grateful for. And I also struggle sometimes on a daily basis to write down for myself what I'm grateful for. But then I sit down, I, I breathe, and I think again, there must be something that was nice about my day, especially when I'm having a rough day. And then I remember, oh, wait, I made somebody smile, or somebody made me smile. Or that coffee was so nice. I really enjoyed that, you know, or the sun on my face, you know. It's really the small things. And by Putting all those small things together, it actually becomes our story. Yeah. So I feel like start changing the narrative and the story we're telling ourselves every day. Yeah. Look for what went right rather than what went wrong. Yeah. And look for what you are good enough at. 
you know, what, what can you do really well? Yeah. Uh, what have you achieved in your life? Yes, absolutely. That That's, that's at least what I feel could help. And I do think it's a process. If you tell yourself one day or one week, definitely it might not do the trick. <laughs> I agree. But I think by making this our habit, that could actually change something. That's what I truly believe in. Yeah. Yeah. Making it a habit to do it every day. It's not just a one-off. Okay. Well, today I felt okay. I felt all right. This went mm. well. It's every single day. What went well? What did you like about today? What are you grateful for? Yeah. And just keep repeating that. And then what you'll find is your brain will automatically then, because you're focusing on it every day, your brain will think, oh, is, is this what you want to know? So it'll start looking out for things yeah. that are good about your life instead of looking out for things that are going wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And and then your brain also remembers how that thought made you feel. And if you have more of those happy thoughts, everything just becomes happier or better, or you, you start to see more perspective, you know? Yeah. And and once you have that, then it's it just becomes more difficult for the negativity to kind of, you know, consume you on a daily basis. But it does yeah. take practice, right? It does. It takes a little bit of work, but once you build up the habit, you can't you can't have a negative thought and a positive thought at the same time. So if you're filling your head with positive thoughts, you're not leaving any room for the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're crowding them out. So that's the way to look at it, I think. Yeah, no, I love that. Indeed, that's that's absolutely true. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what last words would you give to the listeners then? As we were talking about, you know, the feelings of you are not good enough. And if you truly feel that way or you want to work on that, try to reach out to people around you. If going to a life coach is a little bit too much at the moment, that's okay. You know, talk to a friend, talk to somebody you trust and really ask them to listen to you. Just take, maybe you can ask, could you please just listen to me for 10 minutes or five minutes, like Sue said, and just truly listen to me so that you understand how I'm feeling, you know. That could be a small step, a first small step. And if you're ready for it, look around, you know, go online. There's so many life coaches around you who can help out. And, you know, there's so much power in coaching. And if you want to experience that and you feel like, hey, this is interesting, go and dive deeper and and, and see whether that is something that could work for you. Yeah, but start talking, really. That's what that would be my advice, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Okay, so it's been lovely talking to you. And thank you for all your input today. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I'll say goodbye. Yeah, thank you so much, Sue, for having me. It was wonderful to have this chat with you. And I hope the listeners also liked it. And yeah, and maybe I'll, we'll talk another time. <laughs> okay, thank <All> right. you. <laughs> Hello, everyone, again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe and that will make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. And so from me, Sue Reed, goodbye until next time. Thank you. Thank you.